Do you know what today is? How many of you know what today is? I bet not a one of you remember. Actually, it would be tomorrow, the 8th. Isn't tomorrow the 8th? Yes. yes. Yeah. We've been here 30 years. Oh, wow. 30 years. Someone says, how come the group's not bigger? Well, let me just say it this way. This message is not for everyone right now. But you know what? More and more people are beginning to resonate with it. And listen. There are multitudes of millennials and young people. They're beginning to resonate with what we put on Facebook Live and also on YouTube. I think we have a couple tonight that are 20s, 30s, I'm sure. Yeah. So, you know, people are tired of the religious BB, Babylonian baloney. They're tired of the rules and the regulations and the legalism, and they're realizing it is now. This is the day of salvation. And what does that mean? Coming to an altar and bowing down and confessing our sin and saying how unworthy we were, singing amazing grace, what a wretch I was? <laughs> it's none of that. It's none of that. Born again is to remember who you always were. How did, we did not come here as a sinful wretch. We did not come here unrighteous. Ecclesiastes 7.29, you all know it, we came here upright. Ecclesiastes 3.11, what God does is forever. Nothing can add to it. Nothing can take away from it. And he made us in his image after his likeness. He blessed us and he said, have dominion. Have dominion. So as most of you know, here and also on Facebook Live and shortly on YouTube, we have been doing a series of teachings that I have entitled the Mind-Brain Connections. And I've shared with you that if you would lay on the tabernacle, your head would be in the most holy place. Why? Because you are the temple, you're the house, you're the tabernacle. That's who we are. And so without our awareness, without consciousness, which is spirit, without becoming aware of the fact that we are spirit and always have been, there could be no worship. There could be no worship if we did not have spirit. Let me say it this way. If we did not have, and if we were not, heaven as earth. Yeah. Notice I didn't say heaven and earth. That's still duality. Right. Heaven as earth. Yes. Now, are we walking in that completely and totally? No, we're not experiencing that completely and totally. But we are beginning to as we, what, exercise the single eye, as we slip into the mind of Christ, as we are involved in purposeful and spontaneous meditation. And when I say spontaneous meditation, I just simply mean when a temptation comes to you from the appearance realm, when something comes to you and says, oh, you don't have enough money to pay this month's bills, or the doctor says you only have months to live, that's a temptation, that's a challenge, and spontaneous meditation is to reject, reject that from the appearance realm, what it looks like, what it appears like, and slip into the mind of Christ, practice the single eye, and see it as the Father sees it. And when we can see it as the Father sees it, how does he see it? He is the health of our body as us. Yes. He is the wealth of our being.
us. And so that's what we have been finding out in this series of teachings, and we're going to continue with that for quite a while. Did you hear that? Quite a while. Quite a while. Because what I want to do, and I haven't done a whole lot of teaching in the Old Testament. You know, I know we've done the book of you know, Genesis and Exodus, and we've done you know, Esther and Ruth, and, and we've done um, Judges. We've done quite a few of the books, you know, chapter by chapter, over the years. But as far as really going back into the different stories and seeing that we need to move beyond the historicity of those stories and see what they symbolize to us today and see how they are happening within us. Because otherwise, what good does it do to know that Jacob had four ladies <laughs> and that he had 12 kids out of those four women? What good does that do to know that thousands of years ago that took, well, it helps some, you know, to some degree, but not until we can make the application spiritually and realize it's an allegorical, it's a parabolic, it is a symbolic truth of that which is taking place within a people today. Then it does us a whole lot of good. It does us a whole lot of good. And we can really begin to walk in and experience that which we have always been from the foundation, from before time ever began. Now, religion taught us that we came here as a sinner and we need to get saved. Now, we needed salvation, but what is salvation? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost? Our awareness. Our awareness is what was lost. So, yes, salvation is healing and health, and, and it's for this life and also for the life to come if we go in the way of the grave. Certainly it is, but we need to become aware of that. We need to realize that. It's not a ticket to heaven. It's not a fire escape from hell. It's not any of that. It's just becoming aware of the truth that has always been the truth about us. Now, in Genesis last week, and I'm just going to review just a tad bit tonight, in Genesis 29 30, we looked at the women that Jacob had relations with. And remember the first one was Leah. And her name meant, I shared with you, weary. Her name meant, meant weary. It means weary. And then Bilhah, Bilhah, if I pronounce that right, Bilhah represents faltering. I'm not sure why we're going in and out here, but I know it will be picked up on the, uh, on the audio, on the camera. But Bilhah means faltering and bashful. Yeah, it's, it's a long yeah, it's definitely on, so I'm not sure why we're... We, we cut out last week as well, so we're just going to keep it going because I know it's going to pick up here. So if it goes in and out here in the congregation, let's just not worry about it. We'll keep on going. So Leah meant weary, okay? We found out that Bilhah means faltering and bashful. And these are the women that Jacob had relations with. And Zilpah means drooping. Drooping. Leah... Bilhah and Zilpah all speak of intercoursing with the left side. Remember, I shared with you, those women, women, those women were fertile. They were fertile, but their seed then, the seed of man opened their womb. And then we found out that Rachel was barren. And we see a lot of barren women in the scriptures. And the only thing that can open up the barren womb is the spirit of Christ. 
That's the only thing, you know, we have Mary, we have Elizabeth, we have Hannah, we have Samson's mother, she was barren. And Paul used the word mystery from time to time. The Greek word is mysterion, and it means to be initiated into the sacred secret of God. Meaning that unless the Holy Spirit reveals the truth that's here, all you have is the letter of the word. But the, only the Spirit can open up the barrenness of our womb. And that's what happened in this story. And so we looked at this, and we saw many, many different things that I'm not going to go back into. But remember the story about the mandrakes. Mm -hmm. The youngest son, Reuben, comes to Leah, his mother, and hands her some mandrakes. And I shared with you that it was an aphrodisiac that they used. I'm not going to go into that dramatic story of what that does and what that is. <laughs> Most of you already know. But <clears throat> it is known today, I believe, since it has a narcotic stimulant. If you Google that, you'll find the mandrakes had a narcotic stimulant, I believe it was pot. And I believe, I just happen to believe, that Rachel, or that, excuse me, or that Reuben, the youngest son, got the mandrakes and gave them to Leah. Well, Leah didn't need them. She didn't need an aphrodisiac. She was already open in her womb. She'd already birthed. The one that needed it really in the natural, just speaking of the natural, would have been Rachel because she was barren. But you know, there's no indication that anyone partook of the mandrakes. No one smoked a joint. No one partook of it to try to, you know, uh, you know, enhance their, you know, ability to get pregnant. No one took it. So what did we find out? We simply found out that the mandrakes is symbolic, since no one partook of it. The mandrakes are symbolic, and they represent because remember. Leah had them because Reuben, the youngest son, gave them to Leah, and Rachel came and begged her for them and said, give them to me, and if you give them to me, you can sleep with Jake tonight. And remember I said Jake was probably a good-looking, hot guy. He was probably a stud muffin. And so Leah, Leah says, yes. So she goes to Jake, and she says, I bought you. And she has a son that they named Issachar to hire. I hired you by giving Rachel the joints. And so therefore, she said that I could sleep with you tonight. And we know they you know, conceived once again. And so that was the story of Leah and uh, of Bilhah and Zilpah and then finally Rachel. And Rachel, remember what happened, she got high on the most high. Yeah. She didn't use the mandrakes, but she came to the understanding of the true elixir of life. And she had an encounter with the presence of the Lord, with the Spirit of God. And exactly, that, that is exactly then what opened Rachel's womb up, was the, the experience of the elixir of life, with, with the experience of the Spirit of God. And she was opened up. And what did she birth? She birthed then Jake, or Joseph, excuse me, Joseph, which is a, a perfect type of Christ. And then later on, Benjamin, the son of the right hand. And so that makes a whole lot of good spiritual sense, a whole lot more sense than, you know, just reading a history story and wondering what good does that do for us whatsoever. And so now we get into Jacob and Laban in verse 25. If you'll go there in verse 25. Well, let me have you back up to Genesis 29:18 first, and then we'll get to uh, verse 25, because this is where we left off last Sunday was the story about Jacob and Laban and the spotted cows. And I shared a few things with you. 
So during the time that all of this was happening between Jacob and uh, Weary and, uh, and all of these women, Bilhah and Zilpah, during the time this was happening, he, Jacob, was serving Laban, and Laban's name means white. And Laban, even though he was, you know, uh, not treating Jacob the best from time to time, even though that was the truth, he still represents the thoughts of the right side. He, he represents the Father. He represents God. And so Jacob was serving Laban all during this time that he was having relations with Leah and Bilhah and Zilpah. And then at the end, also, with, with Rachel, that birthed Joseph, the type of Christ. So what we see here in Genesis 29, then, and verse 18, it says, And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel for thy younger daughter. Now, let me show you a little bit of difference here, because we're not going to look at the seven years that he served wanting Rachel but got Leah and then had to serve another seven years for Rachel. We're not going to look at that if we're going to see it symbolically. The rest of this chapter, you can do a cursory reading of it, and you'll get confused. But if you can slip into the mind of Christ, look at this symbolically, allegorically, parabolically. If you can see, just like Jesus spoke in parables, you can read Jesus' parables, and he may have been talking about fishermen. He may have been talking about farmers. But you know what? You can't set her up on the fishermen or the farmers. You have to look to where that points to. Yeah. See, it's not the story in itself. You have to read beneath the surface, and you have to realize that the parables of Jesus pointed to something else, not to the literal story that he was giving. So as we read this here in Genesis chapter 30, from verse 25 on to the rest of the chapter, you, you'll get confused if you just read it verbatim and do a cursory reading of it or read it like you read your daily newspaper. You've got to realize it's all symbolic. So these seven years here do not represent seven literal years to us. And I'm going to share with you what they represent. Seven is the number of what? Fullness and completion. So it's talking about fullness on the right side, and we know we're complete in him, but it also represents seven fullness on the left side. <coughs> a balance. A balance of the right side and the left side. And until we experience the balance of the left side and the right side, we're not going to experience the very full experience of who we have always been. See, the right side has to be in the driver's seat, but there's nothing wrong with the left side. And the left side represents emotions, natural reasoning, it represents logic and so forth. But until we begin to have the priority of the right side, the mind of Christ, the seeing with the single eye, this side over here is always going to be wanting. It's always going to be incomplete, not in its creation, but incomplete in, it, in the experience that it has. And you'll understand that more as we go. Now, let me just say, seven again, seven years, seven is completeness, it's balance, and it's fullness. Now, when we begin this series, I took you to 1 Kings 6 and verse 8, and there, remember, it talked about the winding stairway that went up into the third chamber. Remember that? And I shared with you how that that is the energy, if we're the body of Christ, this is kind of crooked, isn't it? If we are the 
if your head is in the most holy place, then there are certain things that are going to happen and need to happen in our head, in our brain. This is talking about mind-brain connections. And I shared with you that when the energy goes up the spine, opening up the seven energy fields, some people, you know, call it in the world chakras, but when the energy goes up the spine, it opens the seven energy fields up and it continues to arise till it comes to the pineal gland and it throws open the pineal gland. And what happens when the pineal gland is thrown open is there is a fluid that is in the pineal gland that flows also into the pituitary gland. And one is a white milky substance, the other is a goldish looking substance, which is what? Which is the milk and honey. You're the promised land. We used to say Jesus is our promised land man, but you're one with him. Christ is a promised land man. We're one with him. So you see, when we began to experience that energy, began to rise up through the energy fields of the body, open the pineal gland, you then begin to experience the milk and the honey of the promised land that you are. And that's really what it's talking about in 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. So the seven years here then are in reference to the seven energy fields. I'm not going to use chakra so much because, oh, you're just new age. You know, that's what they all say, especially religious people. But they are called chakras. You know, when the scripture says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, it could just have, as well have said, out of your Remember the word that I used? Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of the solar plexus, because that's where the solar plexus are, in the abdominal region. He could have said, out of your solar plexus shall flow rivers of living water. But he said, out of your belly or out of your innermost belly. That's here. That's where the solar plexus are. See? We need to become accustomed to some other words that are not religious. Yeah. <laughs> and thank God for the understanding that he's beginning to bring Use it. I remember when I used the word consciousness, all I had everybody and their brother just madder than hell at me. <laughs> Why? Well, that's new age. That's new age. Consciousness? No. It's in the Bible. Conscience is consciousness. And Jesus shed his blood to what? To expose the lies so we can move from a sin consciousness and a demon and a devil consciousness into a Christ consciousness. Now, let me have you go. Let me have you look at verse 30 here in Genesis 29. It says, And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven years other. Another seven years. So, in other words, he served seven years and he got Leah, someone who's weary. And one meaning is a cow with a dumb look in its eye. <laughs> he served another seven years to get Rachel here. And again, if we're going to see this symbolically, the seven means complete, it means balance, and it means fullness. That's all it means. And so once we see that, then what are we seeing? We're seeing the balance of the right and the left together. Again, nothing wrong with the left side. Nothing wrong with natural reasoning. Nothing wrong with intellect. Nothing wrong with emotions, which the left side is symbolic of. But it needs to be submitted. Listen, the wife needs to be submitted to the husband, which is Christ. All people in religion go crazy. Well, the woman's got to be subject to the husband. Nowhere in the Bible. 
She's got to submit to the husband. No, what it's talking about is the right side, the emotional realm, needs to submit to. See? And, and the right side is our, it's the masculine principle of our being. The left side is the feminine principle of our being. You see? And that's all it's talking about. It's not talking about a woman when she gets married, well, she's got to submit to the husband and let her beat the heck out of her. It doesn't matter. <laughs> let me get off of that. Now, go to Revelation chapter 5. Go to Revelation chapter 5. That's what I was taught, folks. That's what I was taught. That's what religion teaches. Boy, you know, they preach it in their wedding ceremony that they have. You've got to submit to this woman, no matter how she treats you. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1. I thank God that I had a husband that didn't beat on me. You know? There was not a problem to submit. Hello, with a problem to submit. When the husband loves a wife, the woman, it's not a, not a matter of submitting. There's no problem there. You see? Now, there is an order. You know, there's a hierarchy. There's an order. Just like Christ is the head and so forth. Yes, Christ our head. There's a priority where the right and the left is concerned. See, the right needs to be in the driver's seat. The left is in the back seat. Right? Now, look what it says in Revelation 5, verse 1. Now, what I'm going to say about Revelation 5, verse 1, don't freak out on me. Because, listen, I am not taking away one iota from the way I used to teach the seals in the book of Revelation. Because the way I used to teach the seals in the book of Revelation had to happen first before this that we're teaching now could happen. Yep. You see that? So I'm not taking away from what we used to teach on this. We have a wonderful series on YouTube about the book of Revelation. And I still embrace that. Nothing wrong with it. But there are different levels of interpretation. The word is of no private interpretation, the Bible says. Meaning, you know, there are at least seven different levels of interpretation of the Bible. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm just, uh, what should I say? I just want to see them all. I want to relate to all of them. I don't want to stop short of anything. Now look what it says in Revelation 5.1. And I saw in the right hand, the right side, in the right hand, of him that sat on the throne, a book, where? Within. You know, Paul said we're living epistles known and read of all men. So you're the book. Okay? So a book. Okay? Within, within you. And notice on the back side. Oh, the back side. So we've been kind of sealed up on the back side? We've been sealed up on the back side, those energy fields. You know, that's what causes disease many times. Oh is God. when there's a blockage in those energy fields. You go to the chiropractor, they adjust you, they work on you. Why? They may not tell you, but it's to open the chakras, it's to open the energy fields. So that the energy can flow properly and not get all blocked up and cause some kind of a problem somewhere in your body. So what I'm proposing to you tonight is the seven years that he worked for the one woman and the other seven years that he worked for the other woman is talking about the fullness and the completion of both sides. That's what it's talking about. The seven years on the right side representing Rachel, the seven years on the left side, representing Leah, these two coming into a balance and coming into oneness. See, the left side is a very important, you know, where it talks about Adam and Eve, or Adam and the woman, it says that they were in equivalent to one another. Eve, or the woman, was helpmate, it means equivalent. You see, Adam needed Eve, and Eve needed Adam to birth life. And for us to experience life, we need the left side just as well as we need the right side. See? 
And when we come to the realization of that, and when we slip into the mind of Christ, which we all have, when we practice the single eye, meaning what? Looking at things out here in the external realm and seeing them the way the Spirit sees them, rather than the way they appear to be, see? Then we're going to experience the left and the right becoming one. Now, let's go back to Genesis 30 and verse 25. I'm not going to be real long tonight because we're going to have some food tonight and fellowship and we're going to celebrate the life of Arlene Hoyt tonight. She passed away, one of our worship leaders passed away, and so instead of having a regular type service, because they already had a service for her, we're going to have some food and fellowship and then talk about her. I'm hoping that Gwen will maybe have some things to share about her sister, possibly. No pressure, no pressure. <laughs> now, Genesis chapter 30, let's go back to Genesis chapter 30 and verse 25, verse 25 of Genesis chapter 30. And notice what it says there. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph. Now remember, Joseph was a type of Christ. Rachel finally has the spirit open up her womb because she was barren. And what does she birth but Joseph, which is a type of Christ. And his name means adding. And we know that God did add another son, which was Benjamin, which was the son of the right hand. And I shared with you how Joseph represents Christ, the Christ as us. And then Benjamin, the son of the right hand, represents the body of Christ birthing that experience. Let's see. So it says, and it came to pass, Genesis 30, 25, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, send me away, listen to this, that I may go unto my own place and to my own country. What is that? That's the left side that has stuff to do. Your left side has stuff to do. It has people to see and places to go. It enjoys vacations, the left side. Nothing wrong with it. It enjoys entertainment and movies and fellowship. Nothing wrong with it. So here's the thing. This is what he was saying here in verse 25. I can slip into the mind of Christ. I can exercise the single eye. I can engage in purposeful and spontaneous meditation when there's a appearance realm that looms up before me. I can do all that, but what about me? What about the left side? See, because listen, you're not in your own place. You're not in your own country until there's a balance between the two. And when there's a balance between the two, you have come home. Someone says, well, when I die, I'm going home. No, you, you can come home right now in this lovely here and now by, by doing these things that we're talking about. And it's not a doing in a religious sense. It's doing from done. See, you are the mind of Christ. You have the single eye, see, which is associated with the pineal realm. You have all of that. So it's just slipping into who you really are. It's just becoming aware of who you are and who you have always been. Now, look at verse 26. Now, here's another point. Uh, another point. Since you, as Jacob, <coughs> have brought your thoughts to the right side, or to Laban, or Laban, however you pronounce that name, because his name means white, and I'm going to liken him in this story to the Father, to the Spirit. Okay? So since you have been serving Laban, and remember, when he had all of those children, the 12 tribes, he was serving Laban during that time. Okay? So, what this is saying here, 
Jacob, since you have brought your thoughts, because we're Jacob as well. Jacob is the whole, you know, uh, personality, the mind that can go either to the right or to the left side. See? So we're Jacob as well. But we want to take our thoughts to what? To the right side rather than the left side, to Laban. We want to serve the right side. See? When we talk about the cattle, you see, cattle are, uh, cattle were given to serve you. See, your thoughts were given to serve you. Yeah. Hello? Mm -hmm. Not you serve the thoughts, but to serve you. And when you have the right thoughts, guess what? Your thoughts are serving you. Come on. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. Out of the awareness of the right side flow the issues of life. Mm -hmm. See? Come on. Living from the inside is what causes you to experience what you experience out here, rather than living from the external realm by what you see, taste, touch, or the five senses. So look what it says here in verse 26. Give me my wives. In other words, Jacob is saying, you know, I brought my thoughts to Laban. I've been serving Laban. I brought my thoughts to the right side. And then in verse 30, he says, or 26, he says, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee and let me go for thou knowest my servant service which I have done thee. In other words, He's saying, okay, I've served the right side. What am I going to get out of this? <laughs> I've had that temptation for about 30 years. Well, about 40 years because I was a minister and ministered and pastored churches before I even came here 30 years ago. What am I going to get out of this? Hello. <laughs> Have you ever thought that? What am I going to I've come to this church for 30 years. And I've listened to this happy heretic talk for 30 years. What am I going to get out of this? <laughs> What's going to happen to me? And in verse 30, you know, he's kind of saying like, you know, Laban, you need to take a little stock about what you had when I came here. You didn't have hardly anything. And when I got here, you had increase upon increase. Jacob is saying, while I was serving you, Laban, look at the increase that you had. And listen, look, into the in, look at the increase that we've had. Revelation after revelation has been opened to us. Sometimes I thought, am I fickle or what? I teach it one way one week and maybe a week or two later, it's all different. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's progressive truth. See, if people are teaching the same thing they've taught for 50 years, that's not good. You know, I had lunch with my son-in-law. My daughter's out of town this week, and I had a lunch with my son-in-law and, and my, uh, my granddaughter, Katie Grace, and I was explaining to, to him some things about progressing. I was talking about, because he was watching this video about the pyramids, and I said, well, you know, pyramids are in the Bible, and I was talking about the terrible crystal, you know, of Ezekiel 122, and how I taught on that, and different things, and I said, I was very interested in the pyramids, and we're gonna do some teaching on that in this series, but uh, he was just fascinated about this video that he watched about the pyramids. But to hear me talk about it and to say, it's in the Bible. I said, I used to teach things this way and now I'm teaching this way. He looked at me and he said, what do you explain that to me? People don't get that. That our Father is progressive. The Spirit is progressive. If you're living out of the left or right side, excuse me, if you're living out of the right side, I may change this whole message by next week. Maybe by tonight when I get home. See? And that's okay. That doesn't mean that what we shared before was not the truth. It's just where we're at. So you get more understanding and, and revelation after revelation begins to open you up. Then you're open for more revelation. See, it's a, it's a, a snowball effect. 
it's, it's a cycle, it's cyclic, you could say, and that way where knowledge is concerned. So in other words, what he's saying here, when Jacob said, Laban, I've been with you all of this time, and there's been a great increase, we've had a great increase in the last 30 years. We are not the same people that we were when I took this church in 1988. Now we've had some bumps in the road, and we've had some hard things we've had to go through, and we've had deaths, and we've had people leave and move to other cities, and, and you know, we've had a lot of bumps in the road, but you know what? It has changed us on the inside tremendously, each and every one of us. Because I'm convinced you would not still be here just to have church. You would not be here just to have, you know, and be here when the doors are open, you know. You wouldn't, you see. Because this is not religion. This is not religion. This is coming to the understanding of the truth and revealing to us how that we can experience who our Father has always seen us as. Now, as we continue with this, look, if you will, at verse 29. Now, let me say this concerning this left side. If you, if people, and I know some people are like this. In fact, I was raised in a church like this. If you have the notion that there's something wrong with the left side, then you're not going to experience what I'm talking about. God gave us the left side. He gave us emotions. Nothing wrong with emotions. He gave us the ability to be intellectual. Nothing wrong with that. But it has to be funneled through the spirit. Okay? Our, it's not just about intellect. It's about the spirit quickening the word to us. It's not about emotions. You know, I love emotions. I love when I experience goosey bumps on top of goosey bumps and, and you know, I love when there's a manifestation of something outwardly that you can see that the Spirit is working in a person's life. But I was raised in a church that everything on the left side was wrong. Women had to have long hair. We couldn't uh, go to the movies. I was not even raised with a television. <laughs> it was a television to my parents because they were so religious. I wasn't raised with a television. And when Tom and I got a television after we were married, my parents said, well, never walk in your house as long as you have that television. Well, they call it television, but we call it a television. In religion, we call it a television. And I remember taking my sister-in-law, because I loved basketball, played basketball when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, I took my sister-in-law to see the All-American Redhead basketball team. You remember them? They're like the Gold Trotters, but they were ladies. The All-American. And let me tell you, when I got home, Scuba hit the fan. <laughs> However you say that, it's another word for S-H-I-T. That's the Greek word, skubalars, skubalar, however they say that. When I got home, my parents raped me over the coals because I went to a basketball game. Christians are not supposed to do That's worldly. And it got so bad, not with the church I was raised in, but in some religions it has gotten so bad that sex is sin. I've known some people that actually believe that sex was sin. They called the left side sinful. No, God gave us that left side. It just needs to come in balance to the right side. It just needs to come in balance to the right side. The left side, everything about the left side was given of God. But not to stand on its own. You see? Not to be alone or stand on its own, but to... And I hate to say it this way, but for the lack of better words, let me say it that way. It needs to submit to the right. 
But it's not even really a submitting. I see it more as, as we put on the mind of Christ, it is effortlessly swallowed up. The left side is effortlessly swallowed up by the exercise of the single eye, by the spontaneous meditation, or by the slipping in to the mind of Christ. That's grace. That's grace. That's the unforced rhythms of grace. So it's not us trying to stop your thoughts. You can't stop your thoughts. Try. And they'll just snowball even more. You know, the world says, hold your breath five seconds, and you'll quit thinking about what you were thinking about. Well, I've got a greater way of doing it. Slip into the mind of Christ. When you slip into the mind of Christ and practice the single eye and begin to see the way the Spirit, the way the Father sees things out here in the external realm, then the two become one. You will then experience, you see, that for which you were brought to this earth for. Yeah. See, our bodies, this, this, you can say, this is heaven. This is earth. Left side is earth. Heaven and earth are one. But we're not experiencing that oneness fully and completely yet. See, heaven and earth are one. But we're not fully walking in that, the earth part yet. See, this could be our body. What is our body? Our body is a vehicle of expression. If you didn't have a body, you could not experience what I'm talking about. You have to have a body. So there's nothing wrong. You know, people say, well, you know, the flesh is sinful. When Paul said there's no good thing in my flesh in Romans chapter 7, he was talking about a fleshly mentality. He was not talking about sarks, the body. He was talking about a fleshly mentality. There was no good thing in his fleshly mentality. Nothing wrong with flesh. Nothing wrong with the left side whatsoever. Now, let's get into the cattle. Let's talk about the cattle. I shared with you last week, look at verse 29. I shared with you last week how I was raised on a farm, and most of you know. I never saw my dad ever take stakes and put spots on those stakes. And when the bull and the cow would come together and have sex and look at the spotted stakes, they'd have a spotted calf. <laughs> i never seen him do that. Why? It doesn't work. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <coughs> so that tells me that when he's talking about this, it has to be allegorical, symbolically, parabolically interpreted. And as I said, especially if you read about the spotted cows, you are going to get confused if you're just reading it on the surface level. So you have to slip into the Christ mind you have to allow the spirit to interpret these things to you and don't try to get it reading it with a cursory reading because you're going to get more confused. So look what it says in verse 29. Genesis 30, 29. And he, Jacob, said unto him, Laban, Thou knowest how I have served thee and how thy cattle was with me. Now, what are cattle? Cattle represents symbolically thoughts. Just like sheep represent thoughts. Sheep represent thoughts. Remember the shepherds, that they were going to follow the star to find Jesus after his birth. They were shepherds. They were keepers of their sheep or thoughts. And that's why they had the discernment to follow the star. Because they kept their thoughts. Same way with David. Remember, he left when he went out to bring Goliath to an end. It says that he what was a keeper of sheep or sheep or he kept his thoughts on the right side and then he left the sheep he left those thoughts but I believe he took those thoughts with him
because David was a worshiper and David was a man of the right side. And so he left the sheep with others to keep and he went out and we know the story of what he did to Goliath. But he was able to do what he did to Goliath, bring him to an end simply because he kept his thoughts. You hear that? He kept his thoughts on the right side. See? And so therefore, where Goliath was concerned, he was able to, to take him down. So here in verse 30, Jacob is simply saying, let me read that again, for it was a little, it was little which thou hast before I came, and it is now increased into a multitude, and the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming, and now when shall I provide for my own house also? And in other words, again, he's just simply saying, I've been keeping the sheep, I've been keeping the cattle, I've been watching my thoughts, so when am I going to experience the results of that? That's really what he's saying there in verse 30. Verse 29, he said, Thou knowest how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me. In verse 30, he's simply saying, I took care of your cattle, I watched my thoughts. When am I going to experience that on the left side? That's all that's being said here. Now, jumping down to, to verse 32. And verse 32 says, because remember, in verse 31, Laban, which is the God part, the spirit part, turns to Jacob and he says in verse 31, what do you want me to give you? If you'll stay here, what is it that you want to stay here? Because he realized that he was greatly blessed as long as Jacob was there. And he was trying to get him to stay longer. He said, what can I give you to stay? And what did David say? Or what did uh, Jacob say? Jacob said, I don't want anything. The only thing I want is, from what I have done on the right side here in serving you, Laban, serving the cattle, I want to experience it on my left side. I want to experience the balance, okay? So in verse 32 then, notice what it says here. I will pass through all thy flock today, removing from fence all the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my hire. Now, what is this in reference to? What is it? It is in reference to is all of our left-sided thoughts have spots. All of your left-sided thoughts and my left-sided thoughts have spots. Every single solitary one of them have spots. They're spotted thoughts, spotted cattle. Now hang on to Genesis and go to Ephesians 5, 27. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27. Let me show you a, a verse of scripture here. All of our left-sided thoughts, why are they spotted? Because when we're thinking out of the left side, what are we doing? We are judging by the seeing of the eye, the eyes on our head, rather than the single eye represented by the pineal gland and by the spirit, seeing by the spirit. We're hearing when we think out of the spot of thoughts on the left side, we're hearing out of the, the two physical ears on our head, rather than hearing by the spirit. So look what it says here. Look what it says in Ephesians 5 and verse 27. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, talking about the church. But, you know, the word church is a misnomer there. And it says in verse 27 that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, the word church...
without spot, without wrinkle or anything. But they're holy thoughts. And they're thoughts that are without blemish. That's what it means to keep the sheep, to be a shepherd or to be a keeper of the sheep. Now, there's something very interesting. Go back to Genesis again, chapter 30. Something is very interesting here. Let me just present this to you. And I wrote a post, my second last post, that I put on Facebook. I wrote about this, and I know some of you read it because you liked it and you reposted it. But here's what the scripture says. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, heart is synonymous with awareness. As you think in your heart, as a man thinks in his heart, heart, so is he. Now that doesn't mean that if you think in squirrely ways that that makes you not Christ or not righteous. That doesn't change who you are if you have all kinds of spotted thoughts. Not at all. Does, but what does that mean then? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So will be his experience. Right. Now what I want to present to you is your thoughts then, whether they come out of the right side or the left side, become the Lord of your life. Absolutely. Because they create what you're going to experience. See? Out of the heart flows what? The issues, the happenings, the experiences of life. So, I said that to say this. When we see and we read that the Lord brought the flood... Yes, the Lord brought the flood. It was the thoughts, the spotted thoughts of the people. It says the wickedness of the people was great in those days. And so it was the spotted thoughts that was the Lord that brought that flood. Can you hear that? You know, it says the Lord did this, the Lord did that. It sounds like he's a monster. But it was the Lord in the fact that it was the spotted thoughts. See? If something disastrous happened in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it was the people's spotted thoughts that became the Lord of their life and created all of that chaos out there. See? Now, listen, if we have the unspotted thoughts, if we're keeping the sheep, keeping the cattle, the pure ones that did not have the spots, then that creates our life as our experience out here in life as well, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or out of the heart flow the issues of life. So our thoughts, whether they're pure or spotted, are the Lord of our life. And it'll either create floods, death to us, right? It'll snowball into more death thoughts. All it creates is Walking by the seeing of the natural eye and hearing by the hearing of the natural ears on our head. That's why I shared with you that when David went after Goliath, he had five smooth stones. And remember, he only used one of them. He didn't look at Goliath through the eyes on his head. He raised that one stone. I know he used a slingshot, but he raised that one stone. He began to see through the single eye. And we know the rest of the story. It took Goliath clean out. And it got him right in the center of the brain. Isn't that interesting? It put him out, see? So if the pineal gland isn't opened up, it'll eventually put us out as well. That's right. See, and the pineal gland spiritually is opened up to us more and more. The more we slip into the mind of Christ, the more we practice the single eye and look at things through the spirit rather than the way they appear.
after they die or after some so-called rapture of the church takes place. <sighs> That's such good news. I may just get raptured right here. In fact, I am being raptured. But rapture means to love with a love embrace. It's not flying away to some heavenly glory. Now, in verse 35 of Genesis 30, what we just read prior to that was that Jacob was removing the spotted cows. We read that in verse 32. I will pass through all thy flock today, removing thence the spotted and the speckled cattle, and so forth. Okay? So he's going to remove them. But now listen in verse 35, or 36, excuse me, in verse 35, this is where we see Laban doing something. He removes them. Now listen. What does Laban refer to? The mind of Christ. White. It means white. The white thoughts, not the spotted thoughts. So Laban, as we put on the mind of Christ, Laban is removing the spotted cattle. And in verse 36 it says, And he set three days' journey betwixt himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. So notice here, he set. Laban then takes the spot, and that's what happens with us effortlessly. When we slip into the mind of Christ, what happens? The very fire of God's word swallows up all the spotted thoughts that we've had. But notice he separates three days, and three days speaks of life. Three days speaks of resurrection. So now, something else is beginning to happen here. Once we get to verse 37, there's some new life that's going to kick in here at verse 37. Look what it says in verse 37. It says, and Jacob, now this is Jacob, after Laban has removed the spots, removed them three days, which represents symbolically new life. You can't look at this as three literal days, but new life, resurrection. And it says in verse 37, and Jacob took the rods of green poplar and of the hazel and chestnut. What is he doing? It's just symbolically, again, don't read this you know, word for word. It's symbolically saying, that, that Jacob here is doing something to rise up into a higher realm and a higher dimension. And the reason I say that is because the word rods here means power, and green means the astral plane, or it means a higher level of thinking. Now, in mythology, the goddess of the human head was the nut. <laughs> The nut. Now, we talked about that before, right, in this series. We've talked about that before. So now, the, the thing about the hazelnut tree, the hazelnut tree sheds its outer bark. Wow. See, and that's what happens to us. As we slip into this mind of Christ, we're shedding something. Something is being consumed. Mortality is being swallowed up of life. Something is being shed by the mind of Christ, by Laban here. And we're beginning to think more consistently then out of the single life or the mind of Christ. Now, here's the plan here. This is, this is what the plan. Jacob is saying here, I am in total oneness and union with Laban. I'm in total oneness and union with the right hemisphere represents slipping into the mind of Christ 
and exercising the sin alive. I'm in total oneness, but you know what? He's still having a problem. And the problem is, I don't just want to be doing this all day long and not experience any results. That's really what he's saying here, if you read this and see it symbolically. So notice now in verses 38, 39, notice what it says there. And he set the rods which he had peeled before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink that they should conceive when they came to drink. Verse 39, and the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ring straight, speckled, and spot. Now listen, may I present to you, that can never happen. <laughs> the cattle cannot come, having sex with a bull, looking at a steak that's spotted, and have a spotted baby. That cannot happen, which proves to us that this is symbolic. Now, this is important because he put it, notice, he put it at the place of the water and the rods, you see. It says, he set, verse 38, he set the rods which he had peeled before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs. And watering here, or water here, simply means truth. So what is he doing? He is taking, he is taking the higher truth. He's coming into, he's realizing I must, come into a higher dimension of my understanding. That's what he's doing. So he's adding some life to all of this, even though he's doing all this in verses 38 and 39, he's doing it with a different mindset. And again, the only way you can get that is if you can slip into that spiritual interpretation of this, not reading it literally, and just confusion. Now look at verse 41. Notice it says, and it came to pass Whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. Well, what is this talking about? It's just simply talking about, it's simply talking about what you, now here's the whole moral of the story. What it is talking about is what you set before you is going to become your experience. What you set before you is going to become your experience. That's all that this is saying here. If you set spotted cattle, spotted thoughts before you, you're going to have spotted experiences. And it may even be good some days. You may even get a healing. You may even get a blessing. I mean, we already have all blessing, and he is the help of our body. But you may experience it, I should say. You may experience a little healing. How many know the truth of the knowledge of good and evil? Sometimes there's some good things. But the difference is, good is not always God. It's the tree of life that is always God. See? So this whole story, and I'm done, but the whole story is whatever you set before you. I remember, and it just comes to me now, I remember when I was a kid in Sunday school, we would sing the song, Be careful in lies what you see. Remember that? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father, the sky deity up above, is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Then we say, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Right. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. And you know what? That's true. 
whatever you set before you, whatever you set before you, is what your experience is going to be. So in verse 37, he's just bringing this in, talking about the rods of the green poplar. Rods meaning power, green meaning a higher level, hazelnut being the fact that the outside, the outer bark is shed. All that is talking about is what you set before you is going to be your experience. If you set before you the mind of Christ, if you see things through the single eye, no matter what comes to you from the outside, I don't care what the doctor says, what the banker says, what the government says, it doesn't matter what they say. We need to look at it through the single eye and through the mind of Christ. What does the Spirit say about what is happening out here? We must see, and we've taught this for years around here, we must view the whole earth full of the glory of God, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world, even the world, and they that dwell therein. So that's the whole moral of the story. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I could take you to Philippians where it says, whatsoever things are pure and honest and holy and of good report, think on these things. Set that before you. Not what the bank says, not what the doctor says, not what the world says, not what the government says. See, there's got to be a people. There has to be a people. And I believe we are part of that people. As small as we are in number, and I thank God it's not about numbers, it's not about stained glass windows, it's not, and none of that is wrong, see? But it can be from the left side. If you think you have to have that or you don't have a church. I thank God for the group of people that we have here that are coming into the realization and the knowing that what we see out there and what we may feel in our five senses has nothing whatsoever to do with the way our Father, the way the Spirit, the way our spirit, our Holy Spirit, views things. Yeah. What you set before you is what you're going to experience. Mm -hmm. Don't set spotted cows, spotted thoughts in front of you. Mm. Set the pure. To the pure, all things are pure. That's right. Set the pure thoughts in front of you. And as you do, your life experience will become one of the left side the earth, your body, your whole life will experience. Because we give outward expression to what is true of us inwardly as we think from the right hemisphere, what that represents, which is the mind of Christ exercising the single eye. And when there's a temptation or challenge that looms up before you, slip into this side. Cast your force, cast your energy to the right side. Remember Jesus told the fishermen that hadn't Caught any fish on that? Cast your net to the right side. And they caught 153. And when you look at the numerical value of 153, it comes to number nine, which is consciousness. It wasn't about a ship. It wasn't about catching fish. It was about the consciousness, casting their consciousness to the right side. That's what it was. That's what it was about. See, where focus goes, energy flows. Where focus goes, experience and that's what we'll experience. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you tonight yes. for your presence, yes. for your word, yes. for your spirit, which we are one with. Thank you for the true teacher tonight that lives within us. Thank you for this people tonight. Thank you for the quickening of this revelation, showing us the importance of seeing through the single eye. 
showing us the importance of slipping into the mind of Christ, where there is no spots, there are no flaws, there are no blemishes whatsoever, yeah. but there's only a pure experience for us to experience. We thank you, we bless you, we honor you, in the name of the Lord.